Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the sixth Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who teach us that you abide in hearts that are just and true, grant that we may be so fashioned by your grace as to become a dwelling pleasing to you. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Jeremiah. The Lord says this, A curse on the man who puts his trust in man, who relies on things of flesh, whose heart turns from the Lord. He is like dry scrub in the wastelands. If good comes, he has no eyes for it. He settles in the parched places of the wilderness, a salt land uninhabited. A blessing on the man who puts his trust in the Lord, with the Lord for his hope. He is like a tree by the waterside that thrusts its roots to the stream. When the heat comes, it feels no alarm. Its foliage stays green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never cease to bear fruit. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Happy are they who hope in the Lord. Happy are they who hope in the Lord. Happy indeed is the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor lingers in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of scorners, but whose delight is the law of the Lord and he ponders his law day and night. Happy are they who hope in the Lord. He is like a tree that is planted beside the flowing waters, that yields its fruit in due season, and whose leaves shall never fade, and all that he does shall prosper. Happy are they who hope in the Lord. Not so are the wicked, not so. For they, like renowned shaft, shall be driven away by the wind. For the Lord guards the way of the just, but the way of the wicked leads to doom. Happy are they who hope in the Lord. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. If Christ raised from the dead is what has been preached, how can some of you be saying that there is no resurrection of the dead? For if the dead are not raised... Christ has not been raised, and if Christ has not been raised, you are still in your sins. What is more serious, all who have died in Christ have perished. If our hope in Christ has been for this life only, we are the most unfortunate of all people. But Christ has in fact been raised from the dead, the first fruits of all who have fallen asleep. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Rejoice and be glad. Your reward will be great in heaven. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus came down with the twelve and stopped at a piece of level ground where there was a large gathering of his disciples with a great crowd of people from all parts of Judea and from Jerusalem and from the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon. 
Then, fixing his eyes on his disciples, he said, How happy are you poor! Yours is the kingdom of God. Happy you who are hungry now, you shall be satisfied. Happy you who weep now, you shall laugh. Happy are you when people hate you, drive you out, abuse you, denounce your name as criminal on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice when that day comes and dance for joy, for then your reward will be great in heaven. This is the way their ancestors treated the prophets. But alas for you who are rich, you are having your consolation now. Alas for you who have your fill now, you shall go hungry. Alas for you who laugh now, you shall mourn and weep. Alas for you when the world speaks well of you. This was the way their ancestors treated the false prophets. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So the Gospel we have today is familiar but it's also a little bit different. We're accustomed to hearing the Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so it goes. But this is Luke's account. And here, instead of Jesus climbing a mountain and sitting down to teach, Luke explicitly reports that Jesus and his apostles stopped on a level piece of ground with a large gathering of disciples from both Jewish and pagan regions from Judea and Jerusalem, and then also from Tyre and Sidon. So Luke's account is often referred to as the Sermon on the Plain, as opposed to Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. And one of the textual differences between Matthew's Beatitudes and Luke's is the presence of the word now. Happy you who are hungry Now, you shall be satisfied. Happy you who weep. Now, you shall laugh. This now describes a sense of dissatisfaction. Something's not right. Hunger speaks of a desire for satiety. Weeping speaks of a desire for happiness. The ones who are happy are the ones who are not content with the present state of affairs. They were the ones who were hungry for something more. The disciples are the ones who desired a greater blessedness and who found Jesus to be the way which leads to that greater blessedness. And this then gives rise to these alasses. But alas for you who are rich, you are having your consolation now. Alas for you who have your fill now, you shall go hungry. Alas for you who laugh now, you shall mourn and weep. These are unique to Luke. Matthew doesn't record Jesus saying these alasses. And indeed, alas for those who are rich. Alas for those who are content in their wealth, who are content in their pleasure. There's no space for the gospel. There's no space for more. And in these alasses, the now shifts. If you've had your fill now, and your hunger is not real, you don't come to Christ. If your tears are not authentic, 
and you're content with the present state of affairs, you don't come to Christ. And I think this becomes an important lesson then for us in the spiritual life. We reach for Christ when we are truly in need. We only grasp for him when we know our true hunger. In the course of our lives, there are moments when we truly stand in need of God's help. And we can often find that these are the moments when we pray most earnestly. How do we pray when our life is in danger? How do we pray when a loved one is sick? How do we pray when we're in deep sorrow? These are the moments that actually strip back the illusion and reveal the truth of our own precarious lives. You know what? We are completely dependent on God. You know, in Psalm 49, there's a phrase that's actually repeated twice. The psalmist says, In his riches, man lacks wisdom. He is like the beasts that are destroyed. And it's true. Our abundance can mask our true hunger. And alas for those who think their bellies are full. Alas for those who think they have no need of God. Our necessities... Reveal our true desires, because only the one who hungers actually eats. Only the one who thirsts drinks. Only the one who knows his poverty begs. Knowing our need of God makes us truly blessed. But alas for those who think that God is not necessary. Alas for those who think that God is just a hobby. Alas for those who think that God is just an optional extra. You know, in commenting on that psalm, on Psalm 29, Pope John Paul makes an observation about that line. He says, In his riches man lacks wisdom. He is like the beasts that are destroyed. In other words, untold wealth is not an advantage. Far from it. It is better to be poor and to be one with God. Do we really believe that, though? It's better to be poor and to be one with God? than it is to have untold riches. I don't know, it's a bit of a chastening kind of question, isn't it? Where do we put our energies? Where do we put our focus and attention? How much of our prayer time do we rob in order to pursue something that's a lot less than God? No wonder... In his riches, man lacks wisdom. He's like the beasts that are destroyed. It's a bit of an uncomfortable question, really. Um, And I suppose our pursuits are not just after wealth. Uh, How much energy do we expend in seeking pleasure as the highest goal? Or perhaps our own reputation, our good name? You know, the first reading today, the prophet Jeremiah, he doesn't seek to make things any more comfortable for us. He puts a comparison between two kinds of people. Here's what we heard. A blessing on the man who puts his trust in the Lord, with the Lord for his hope. He's like a tree by the waterside that thrusts its roots to the stream. When the heat comes, it feels no alarm. Its foliage stays green. 
It has no worries in a year of drought and never ceases to bear fruit. So the one who is blessed is the one who has placed his trust in the Lord, who looks to God as the guarantee of his life. This blessedness comes from sinking deep roots into the stream of life, and that allows us to overcome the drought. But, says the prophet, a curse on the man who puts his trust in man, who relies on things of the flesh, whose heart turns from the Lord. He is like dry scrub in the wastelands. If good comes, he has no eyes for it. He settles in the parched places of the wilderness, a salt land, uninhabited. So for Jeremiah, the question of blessing or cursed is found in the answer to the question, do we put our trust in God or do we put our trust in man and the things of the flesh? How happy are you who are poor, says Jesus. Yours is the kingdom of God. The poor are the ones who put their trust in God. There is nothing else which can sustain them. They put their trust in the Lord and look to him to fulfill the promise to give them the fullness of what they lack, the kingdom of God. The Lord gives to those who entrust themselves to him. And so here we see the paradox. It is those who know their own poverty and who look to God to sustain their lives who are the truly blessed ones because God promises to them the fullness of the kingdom. And so the prophet Jeremiah asks us to contemplate where we put our trust. On which foundation have we built our lives? And the Lord Jesus asks the same question similarly. In what do our riches consist? Do we look to our own self-sufficiency as the guarantee of our life? Or do we have a true sense of our poverty, our hunger, our thirst, knowing that the Lord will sustain our life by his promise? It's the living out of this trust that leads to true blessedness. Now, I don't know about you, but hearing this gospel for me just feels like a pretty solemn and square kick in the pants. The Lord's not pulling any punches here. He's really laying it out on the line. He doesn't really leave us many places to hide. Do I really trust him like that? Am I willing to embrace that kind of dependency on him? Am I really willing to acknowledge my poverty and let go of the pretense of these riches that I think I have, you know, the, the control that I think that I have, the control that I think is my safety and my security? I suppose at the heart of it is the question about whether or not I truly believe that the Lord will meet my hunger with satisfaction, that the Lord will meet my sorrow with joy, that my poverty will result in the rich inheritance that is the kingdom of God. I suppose it boils down to a simple question. Do I trust that he really loves me? Or do I secretly think that I'd better look after number one because no one else will? I don't know, maybe here there's a constant need for conversion. 
you know, that at different stages in our lives, at different circumstances, you know, we can be riding high and thinking, yep, I trust God. And usually it's because we're not hungry. And usually it's because we're not poor. And usually because we're not weeping. Yeah, Lord, I trust you because things are going great. But that's not what Jesus says. Happy are you when you're poor, when you're hungry, when you're weeping. That's the challenge. I've often thought, you know, it's easy to trust God when you don't have to. But when trouble's brewing, that's when we can try to, you know, take matters into our own hands. To rebel against our dependency on God and say, hey, look, Lord, okay, it's been fun, but now we've got to do it my way. The stakes are just too high for me to risk it your way. Gee, it's an easy temptation to fall into. But listen again to the words of Jeremiah. A blessing on the man who puts his trust in the Lord, with the Lord for his hope. He is like a tree by the waterside that thrusts its roots to the stream. And when the heat comes, it feels no alarm. Its foliage stays green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never ceases to bear fruit. Yep, there are years of drought. God doesn't spare us of those. There is hunger. There are tears. There is poverty. Jesus never said there wouldn't be. But when we trust him, that is when extraordinary things happen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.